This week on the podcast, we have Paula Rizzo. Paula is an Emmy Award-winning television producer, also a best-selling author. Her two books, Listful Thinking and Listful Living, are available on Amazon. Make sure you check them out. They're both fantastic. We had a really interesting, fantastic conversation. If you're in the uh, entertainment business at all, if you do any media work, you'll get a lot from this particular podcast. Paula is a wealth of knowledge, and it was a pleasure to talk to her. So make sure you take a listen to this podcast. Don't forget about our sponsors as well. First of all, we have Stickman Clothing Company based out of Regina, Saskatchewan. They have fantastic clothing wear. You can find them online, stickmanclothingcompany.com. Also, Morning Buzz Coffee, morningbuzzcoffee.buzz is where you find them. You can order yourself some fantastic coffee. They'll ship right to you, uh, owned by two musicians, so make sure you support them. Also, Music City Canada, based out of London, Ontario, a great music store. They have anything that you'd ever want, and they'll ship to you as well. So make sure you check them out, musiccitycanada.com. And also, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or any of those great podcast platforms, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to have you on board. We have a lot of great upcoming guests. Also, uh, most of our podcasts are available in video format on YouTube, so make sure you check it out there. Just search for Darren Walters. You'll find my channel there, and all the podcasts are there. All right, this is Paula Rizzo. Okay. We are here with Paula Rizzo. It's nice to have you on the podcast, and uh, it's been interesting. You're a little different diversion than what I've, my usual guest, and but I thought it would be really compelling and a great conversation to a lot of the people who listen to my podcast, who are a lot of people in the music industry and fans of people in the music industry. So um, I think all these types of of uh, fields, whether you're a producer in TV or a producer in audio or or entertainment of any sort, it all interconnects to some degree. So I thought we'd have a, a really great conversation to find out about, uh, about yourself. So welcome. Thanks. I can't wait to chat. Yeah. Um, you know, a producer is a producer, no matter the medium. That's right. So you're in New York City right now. Is that correct? I am usually in New York City. Yes, yeah. that is where my home is. I'm actually in Miami. Oh, nice which- for you. I know. It's pretty great to be missing the winter in New York City, I have to say. Yeah, because New York's been getting hammered just the last little while. So it's a good place I've to lived be. there my whole life. So I have put in my dues with the snow and, you know, <laughs> I'm glad to be away. Well, today we're getting some above freezing temperatures where I am. I'm outside of Toronto. So it's, uh, you know, I think we're like New York to some degree where the winters aren't as bad as they used to be. But they do hit every once in a while. And it's like, oh, gosh, I want to get out of here. Um, (laughs) We remember that time. Right. Exactly. I love to be in Miami. We have a two week um, quarantine in Canada. If you return back from somewhere out of the country and they implemented this thing where you when you fly in now, you have to stay at a So if you fly into Toronto, you have to stay at a hotel um, um, for several days at an exorbitant amount like two grand for like three days to stay at a hotel um it does include food but i mean the food better be great for two yeah so that's (laughs) i was gonna say that better be the best food you've ever had wow well i mean look it's 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 smart it's smart way but a smart way to keep you guys uh in canada and not traveling around well someone so many of us go to florida 
um, Arizona and mm-hmm. California, wherever for holidays. And they were just, they don't want everybody going and coming back and bringing back yeah, more COVID. So, so how are things as far as your world as working, what you do? Um, I know a lot of your work you base from home, um, but as the pandemic changed what you would be normally doing a lot, or is it just kind of something you've, you've made work? People are much more interested in video and much more interested in productivity and working from home. And those are my two main topics that I talk about. So for me, this has been a really sweet spot because now people who I've been, you know, shouting at about, hey, you need to care about video. Video is the future. Everybody get on board with it. Now everybody sees it. So for me, it's sort of been an amazing time in my business because I've already been set up virtual. My business has been going virtually, uh, you know, working from home or wherever I am for the past three and a half years. So when the pandemic hit, I was already using Zoom. I was already, you know, working with clients remotely. Even if people were in New York City, I do a lot of media training. And even if my clients were in New York City, I was making them do the training with me via video anyway, because I I told them, I said, you know, you need to be able to connect with the camera and be able to treat it like it's a person if you're ever going to connect with an audience. And it's different than when you're in person with someone, because when you're in person with somebody, you can feed off their energy. It's there's not an, an awkward delay. It takes some getting used to doing it on video. And all of those clients have come back to me since the pandemic hit and they were like, we're so glad you made us do that because now we're just, we're ready to go. We feel pretty, pretty comfortable with the camera and all that. So, you know, for me, I have to say it, it's been, you know, a, an interesting time to have, you know, your business doing so well when some other businesses are not doing so well. Um, but I've, you know, pivoted a little bit to be able to now teach, um, you know, corporate trainings as well, because now everybody is a video producer. It doesn't yeah. matter what, what your business is. Yeah. So do you think we're going to stay in this medium for quite a while? Um, Obviously, I think we are. But um, do you think a lot of people are going to stick with, especially with the corporate world and and really not do the big elaborate gatherings that they used to do and stick more to online stuff? Um, I kind of think that. But eventually it will swing back again as a novelty. Um, right, exactly. I know. Being in being real in real life, it's so weird, you know. Oh, we'll do that again sometime. But yeah, I I think that you know, video and virtual, it's here to stay. And people have seen look both the benefits and you know the challenges because there definitely are challenges. But I do think that the video element of it is so powerful and it really can help you connect in ways that you know you can you can really bring your message to so many more people it doesn't have to be just the people who are in that event or just the people who are in that room if you're doing a training or you're doing a concert or whatever you're doing you're opening up the doors to anyone literally anyone in the world can watch your videos or you know watch whatever it is that you're producing. And it's, it's a pretty way, great way to get your, your message out there. So I, I think the, the companies and the people and the personalities and the authors that embrace video now are going to just be launching their career and their business you know, to the next level. Those who do not are going to miss out. Yeah, it's sort of like the online market for um, the, the Amazons of the world. They, whoever had a retail business that had an online platform already or had got into it, um, are doing well, but those who lag behind that um, are having a real tough time 
keeping up with those that were thinking far ahead. So yeah, it's the same type yeah. of concept. It's future, it's future thinking. You know, I mean, there, there's been all of these studies and all of these things that have come out that if you have a video on your on your homepage of you introducing yourself and saying hello, you know, the conversion rates there of people buying whatever you have to sell, buying your services, buying, you know, your book, whatever it is, it just skyrockets because they want to get to know you as a person. And a lot of times for creatives, it's difficult because we're used to being, you know, behind the scenes and letting our work, you know, just, uh, you know, speak for itself and listen to the music or, you know, watch the show because I produced it behind the scenes. We're not used to being the ones who are front and center. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's interesting watching, especially a lot of people in the entertainment business, and I've seen some live shows on on big networks where they're going to someone's house to to cut away for someone to do a song, and it will be a big star, and you look at their setup, and the angle's awful, the lighting's right. terrible, the sound's crappy, and these are people who are in the entertainment world that are around TV people all the time, but they're just used to everyone else doing it for them and don't look at things the right way and don't look what's behind them or, or anything. Sure, yeah. exactly. What does the setup look like? I, I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was watching, um, you know, Dave Matthews was doing a bunch of concerts from home, you know, concerts, whatever it was, from home. Yeah. Uh, and I think he was in like his, I don't even know, like his attic or something. It was pretty cool. Yeah. But he kept forgetting to change guitars because he was so used to having someone there who would literally, while he was chit-chatting between his songs, come over and change his guitar for him. Yeah. So he was so thrown off. Like, I just thought that was so, like, fun to kind of see the behind the scenes and remember, like, you know what? These things take a lot of people to produce a lot of the time. So when you strip it back and it's just you, you do need to become everything. You're the director, you're the stagehand, you're, you know, you're everybody. So to have that product look the absolute best, you know, you need to put on a couple of hats or at least ask some people for some help. Yeah, exactly. Let's go back a little bit and get a little bit of history about you. And uh, so people who don't know who you are, who are listening on my podcast can kind of get an idea and, and uh, background, but you definitely have a big TV background as a, a producer and that, but before that, that maybe just find out where, where you grew up in New York City. You said you've been there the, your whole life. Yes, yeah. yeah, always in New York, and always, you know, pretty, pretty curious and sort of obsessed with the news business. And you know, I always thought that I would be a magazine writer or a newspaper writer or something like that. Um, but then in college, you know, they make you take a, a broadcast class as just yeah. part of the curriculum. Yeah. And from then on, I was hooked. I was like, you know what? This is quick. This is to the point. This is fast. This is now. And I just, I fell in love with it. And my entire career has been in, you know, TV, TV news, in local news in New York and, and national news as well. And, you know, I've won an Emmy award, which was, which was very cool. And it's, you know, it's great to be recognized for the things that, that you do, but it's been really wonderful to be able to help people tell their stories. And, you know, at the local level, it's, it's a little bit different than when you're talking about national news. And I was producing health and wellness um, nationally, which was really great uh, for me personally, because I learned a lot. I yeah. learned a lot about meditation. I learned a lot about how to live less stressed and, you know, how to how to be more mindful and all of these things that I was covering. Uh, and and I, I ended up writing a, a book about list making and productivity and how to be more efficient because as a producer in TV, especially, you have to be very deadline oriented. Yeah. And if you're not, you're just not going to make it. And using those skills that I had been using in the newsroom for years that sort of came second nature, 
to then be able to apply that to my home life and then share that with people has been, you know, I've been doing that now for, for, I've been writing about productivity for the past 10 years. Wow. So let's, let's talk about as a producer, um, you know, I'm familiar with being an audio producer and I've done a bunch of uh, TV work and I've seen different types of producer, but as a, uh, a producer for news and segment uh, oriented spots, mm -hmm. what, explain that job, like what's involved in, you know, starting, okay, I've got the segment to do what's, what's involved in the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, there's all different kinds of producers and everybody yeah. calls it something different depending on what shop you were in and all of that, you know, but for me, I, I did two main jobs in, in TV. I was a, um, a control room producer. So, you know, when the live show was on, I was in the control room watching it all happen and you basically stack the show. So you decide yeah. which stories go first and you know what order they go in and it's pretty stressful to be in that live environment yeah. as things are happening fast and you know there's tech issues sometimes the live truck goes down and you're you know you're about to have this reporter talk about whatever was going on and then the live truck just crashes so you're like okay we got to go to the next story and so you're talking to your to your anchor at the same time and it's just a very moving fluid thing yeah it's really exciting, but you can burn out really fast because it's very stressful. And breaking news is, you know, it's awesome to be able to be in a newsroom when something is breaking because everybody's at their best. Everybody is sort of, you know, firing on all, on all cylinders. So I did that for quite a while uh, in local news. And, you know, then I went on to segment produce, which is a little bit of a, you know, a little a little vacation from that almost. Yeah. I mean, you're still very busy, but it, your deadlines are not as crazy for the most part. Uh, you know, if you're not working for a live show, which I wasn't. So I was able to really craft stories and find the best expert to interview and come up with, you know, from the beginning, coming up with the concept for what the story was going to be, doing the interview, you know, finding the right expert writing the story and then working with a reporter or an anchor to have them voice over uh, and then sit with an editor to see it come to life. Yeah. So you're very much a, sort of like a, a ghostwriter. You know, people wouldn't even know that you were there doing that work and that you were putting it all together. And a lot of times, you know, they think, oh, the reporter did it, or all the anchor did it. And yeah. sometimes depending on the market, yes, they do. But in a bigger market like New York, they have a lot of support to, to help as well. So how long would it take if you're doing a segment, typically, uh, how long would you have to produce that and get that done? Well, if it's a live show, you have one day. You have yeah. literally from the morning until your show goes live. So if you have a 5 p.m. newscast or 6 p.m. newscast, you have to you know, put it together, find the best that you can get in that time, which really does teach you about you can't procrastinate. You have to just like it's done is better than, you know, perfect. Yeah. So you have to sort of, you know, get into that zone. That's been very helpful for me. Um, but then, you know, if you're working in, in a show or, you know, I worked um, for a website for a long time, you have a little bit of a luxury of time. There's no show that's going to show up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like at five o'clock, you got to have it. Uh, so you have a little bit more leeway. You know, from there it would take me, you know, a week, two weeks. Some pieces would take me a month, depending on, you know, the if, if I could get the 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 experts that I wanted, or if I could, you know, get the interviews and things like that. So it does depend. It could be anything from like, you know, you've got a, an hour to put this together to you have a month. It depends on the show. What do you prefer? Do you like the really short, get it done? Or do you like the 
the you know month long and and here's my masterpiece you know it is it is very exciting to do that you know like news of the day quick quick things and i'll never forget when i did leave uh briefly i worked for a production company and i'll never forget anna nicole smith died it just so happened like that was the big story yeah. and i was running around in the office and i was like aren't we gonna do anything and everyone was like what are you talking about like we all have clients we all have different what you know it was a, a video production they're like this doesn't you know we're not doing news segments here and i was like you know i think i need to get back into a newsroom because i still have that like news bug that yeah. i need to fill in some way um i enjoy both but you know what i i i definitely like to have a little bit more time um because like i said it gets stressful really fast when you're turning out those stories you know night after night after night yeah i, I can't imagine um what about when you're producing what do you find the hardest thing when you're working with talent when you had something to do produce really quickly what was the thing that you had to really work with obviously you're working with newscasters that do this all the time but was there one general thing that you always had to kind of okay you have to do this you have to do this um yeah it, it, it you're working with professionals so yeah. that is definitely you know great they know what they're doing but a lot of times they're coming into this story sort of you know uh 10 steps back like yeah. i already have all the background i already know everything so to be able to kind of catch them up and say hey this has to be said like this or it's really important that we leave this here make sure you don't you know when you're on the set talking about it make sure you say this part so to really give them what they need to look good and to also make sure that the story is told in the right way because when you're you're, you're dealing with tv you know some of those segments are a minute and a half some of them are a minute it it's a really short condensed time frame so that really teaches you how to how to be you know as good as you possibly can to be able to get so much information into that short amount of time but to have that communication with the talent is you know that's paramount it's interesting with news uh especially at christmas or usually at the end of the year you watch a newscast and they always do those things where they show the big long list of everyone who works the credits. On, yeah credits yes. and there's pictures with their family and all these things and i'm shocked like how long that list is and it's like how many people work on this newscast and it just goes on and on and on and on and it, it's amazing the amount of people that make one of those shows work it's it's it blows my mind absolutely and every year when we would roll credits it would you know you're leaving however many you know three minutes four minutes for for credits or you know i don't even know if it's that long but it's long in tv yeah. a minute is an eternity you know what i mean so yeah. to leave more than a minute for anything is a lot but it, it's it's nice to be recognized you know people do not realize what goes into it you know to your point they just think oh you know the anchor sits on the set and they just like make up the news it's like no someone wrote that like they literally went through and I, I wrote it so that they could read it in that way and uh it, it's nice to be recognized that way yeah i bet now you do um obviously we'll get to your books um which i'm interested to chat about um but you do a lot of media training as well from being a producer and and being the one that's behind the scenes looking at people and and explain what a, most of your training involves there as far as a media trainer and consultant well, everyone thinks, oh, I'll be great when I get on video. I'll just talk about what I know and it'll be fine. It's not that easy. It does take work. 
And because people on TV make it look effortless, I think everyone thinks, oh, it'll be okay, but it does take a little bit of training. So that's where I come in as someone who has been, you know, working with talent for years to be able to help authors and entrepreneurs and CEOs and, and you know, people who are now producing their own videos. So it's not only about doing media, which it used to be the big bulk of what I would, you know, help people with being interviewed on TV shows or podcasts or whatever it is. Now people are producing their own content and they need to learn how to look and sound better. Uh, not only, you know, looking and sounding better, but as far as audio quality and video quality, but what are you going to say? Yeah. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I'll be fine. And then they do it. And they're like, oh, I was just like, I, could I get to the point? You know, it takes practice to be able to succinctly talk about what you know, speak in sound bites and be authentic. That's the thing. You know, a lot of times people are used to telling the same stories over and over again, um, you know, or and it loses something yeah. when you continue to tell it. And I always remind people, it's the first time this audience has ever heard that story. So you need to be really mindful of them listening to it with those new ears. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, a Broadway actor. They show up for the matinee and then they show up for the evening performance. Exactly the same because it's a different audience. So we need to be reminded of that uh, a lot of times. But it's really fun to be able to, to work with different experts because I get to become an expert in different things. I get to sort of interview them and learn all about what they know. And And for me, you know, that feeds my curiosity. Yeah, I feel the same way uh, interviewing people and I'm learning stuff about people I never knew about or different tricks and and it's it's fascinating. I feel it's more of a learning experience for me than anybody else. Um, and if you can take something in from that, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Sure. So what do you find when you're training people? What's the number one thing or couple of things that you find that you have to teach over and over again that people are doing wrong? Well, maintaining eye contact with the camera is difficult because you're literally talking to no one. You know, you're looking in that camera and uh, instead of looking down at yourself, which is what many people do, yeah. because it's awkward to be staring into a camera when you the person that you're talking to is now below you on the screen. But the experience for the viewer is so much better if you as the speaker are looking at the camera because you're looking at them, you're connecting with them. If you're not connecting with them, then, you know, they can kind of lose interest. So whether you're using your computer camera or, you know, your phone, just try as much as you can to engage with the camera. And it takes practice to be able to do it in a, in a you know, very authentic way, but it's what newscasters and reporters have been doing forever. Yeah. You know, they literally just talk to that camera and they know they're broadcasting it out to, you know, millions of people. You're now in that seat. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of people, a lot of mistakes and a lot of people I have on the podcast, I'll have them correct before we record. And you've probably seen a million times. If you have your laptop, they'll have it down on their desk and they're looking down into it. Um, yes. And I had the same problem here uh, to some degree. I used to have my camera up in here and I had a green screen behind me and I have a big screen uh, monitor up here. But when I'd be looking at the person I'm talking to, I was always up above the camera line. Yeah. Or same thing, if you're down, you're below it. And I started looking back and going, gosh, I'm not looking at the camera at all. It's awkward, you know, and so who, yeah. who is that person looking at? Um, totally. 
so yeah, I, I changed things around. Um, yeah, you camera. have to have that camera be eye level, you know, so if you have to use books or yep. a stand or whatever it is to just boost it up a little bit, I should never see your ceiling fan. I've yeah. seen way too many ceiling fans. <laughs> while doing this, uh, you know, and sort of frame yourself, you know, make sure that you fill up the space. Um, you know, a lot of times people will have too much room above their head and, you know, we're seeing stuff that we shouldn't see. You're the, you're the focal point. So we want to make sure that you, you look good and your background too, you know, make sure there's some depth behind you. Yeah. You can't always do that. You know, in my apartment in New York city, it's a small apartment. So I'm literally like up against the wall it is what it is. I make it work. Um, but whenever you can try and give yourself a little bit of, of room behind. So there's something to, to look at um, and, and make it, you know, visually interesting. Now, I, I chatted earlier about maybe we, we chat a bit about this. Um, we've all seen a lot of people doing online performing as musicians and singers and piano players, whatever you could possibly be. Um, sure. And a lot of them I look at and I always find that there got to be a different place that you can set this up to look better or sound better or get you in, like you said, in the frame a bit better. Um, you know, everything you talked about there is, is makes perfect sense. Um, from the things that you've seen online, what suggestions would you have for if you're a singer, songwriter, or someone who wants to do a live Facebook show or Instagram, um, what tips would you give for, you know, making sure that presentation goes really well? The first thing you should do is find the light. So where is your light source in the room? Yeah. For instance, for me, you know, I have a huge window in front of me and I set up my desk right here because I knew I'd be able to use that natural light. And I have a couple of lights that I brought in, you know, they're not fancy. They're just lights that were around the apartment. Um, but to be able to light my face so that you're not in darkness. So when you're looking for a location of where you're gonna do your show, where you're gonna do whatever it is that you're doing, Find the light source first and then set yourself up there and say, okay, you know what? Let's see, what does my background look like? What does the camera look like? But the light is the most important part because you don't want that window behind you. If it's behind you, you're going to be very dark yeah. and it'll be very hard for people to see you. And even though you are performing and, you know, maybe you're, you're not singing, maybe it's just music. Okay, so the audio will be good, hopefully. But we want to make sure that the video matches, you know, that it, it's, it's a legitimate set up you want to look professional yeah i agree it's funny because the last few uh podcasts i've been doing since i've changed my setup here and in post i usually bump up my levels a little bit um mm -hmm. and it's like on its own it looks kind of groovy it's got the studio vibe and all that stuff yeah but lots of people now i'm connecting to say like yourself are in a very bright room right yeah light light uh, most people have like colored walls um so i find now it's like oh well maybe i'm too dark i'm okay <laughs> to be when i'm on my own and just shooting something but yeah. when i'm side by side with someone you know i really gotta have to play with those levels a bit make sure that you know one's not super bright another one's super dark and and yeah. and has you know the but same this type fits of your brand you know yeah. this fits your brand this fits who you are i mean it's perfect for for you what you're doing what you're putting out there and that's part of this too is to think about what do you want people to perceive of you and they're going to see that through the video instantly 
They're going to know, you know, now everybody knows what everybody's house looks like, you know, what room they're in and what they're, you know, if they have a cat or whatever, because they're running in the background and all those things. That's the other thing I will say. I think in the beginning of the pandemic, people were very, very, you know, sort of like lenient about kids running into the background and dogs and cats and things happening. And now it's a little bit less tolerated. I didn't tolerate it from the beginning because of my production background. I was always like, what are they doing? You know, Uh, so I had to learn to kind of calm down a little bit. But I think now the rest of the world is catching up where those little distractions and those things that happen are, you know, they're not as cute as they were in the very beginning. Now people want to, you know, make most of their time as they're watching you or or connecting with you or, or whatever it is. Yeah, that makes sense. How often do you think people should be changing up their look, right? Because I I see people online all the time, say, even if they're a musician or performing, it's in the same spot every single time. And eventually, it's not that you're getting tired of the performance, you're getting tired of looking at the same thing all the time, (laughs) the same background, same everything. Do you think it's important for people to be changing that up? Or if it's if that's their look, they should stay with it? I think it should be the most, the the easiest, best look so that you, you don't stress over that. You know, you want to be giving your best performance. You want to make sure that your content is as good as it possibly can be. And so if you have a setup that really works, that you feel good about, that you can just plop yourself down and do what you have to do without too much work, I say go with it. You know, um, a lot of times people will use a green screen, uh, you know, or, or those false backgrounds. And I'm not a total fan. I don't love them because yeah. they do still look fake. Yeah. You know, you if you're going to do it, you have to have a green screen. Yeah. First off, and most people do not have green screens and they're using these virtual backgrounds and then their their arms are disappearing and they're wearing green and you know, like all the things you shouldn't be doing. Uh, it just doesn't look professional. But if that's like part of your shtick and that's what, you know, you're funny and you're whatever, then use it to your advantage. Then do that. You know, if your song is about a certain place in the world and you want to stick that behind you because that makes sense to the content then do it. You know, most people that won't be the case. And I'd rather people feel comfortable doing it and not feel like, oh, I have to reinvent the wheel every single time and move my equipment and move my stuff and find the light and all of that. Yeah. I'd rather they just get out there and do it. Yeah, get it done. Um, what about video length? Um, I know that's a big topic nowadays. And people say you should be posting videos, you know, under two minutes or up to six minutes. And and obviously it's different for what you're doing. If I'm doing a podcast like this, obviously you can't do it in two minutes. Sure. Um, but it is interesting because I'm a podcast fan myself and I find um, everybody's podcast I really enjoy. If I go watch their video, I get disengaged way sooner than I do if I'm just listening to it in my car. Or, ah, interesting. Yeah, and you know, I had, I kind of came with this realization just a little while ago and I'm looking, I, I've started thinking I'm spending too much time worrying about the video portion of my podcast where really a podcast is an audio po- podcast. Most people listen to it in their car or they're on their sure. way to work or, um, and all those type of things and don't really have time to sit for an hour and, and watch. I mean, I think it's great for the people who are really involved or if it's someone they really want to get something from or if you're you're putting stuff up as learning points and all that type of thing, but uh, right. video engagement is certainly video's great, but the engagement is pretty short. What what are well, your thoughts thank- on that? 
Yeah. Think about, you know, the, the people who listen to podcasts. So obviously you are one of them. So am I, you are choosing to listen to that podcast. You have chosen it. You picked that particular show at that particular time because you are a captive engaged audience. You're in the car and there's literally nothing else that you can do, right? Or you're on a run or you're walking or whatever it is. The multitasking factor is way low on that. Video is different because think about how we're watching the video. You have to engage with the, with the compute with whatever the computer or your phone. You're watching it, and then you get an alert, and you're like, "Oh, something's happening on Facebook," and then you click over to that. And so there's a lot more distractions happening when it comes to consuming video. Yeah, but it yeah. does grab your eye quicker than any other medium, you know, and if you're just putting a picture up or just text or something like that, the video is going to grab people's attention way more, but it does have to be sort of short. And this is what I work with my clients on is to be succinct in what you're going to say and to be able to have that headline point right up front. If you're talking about something, tell me what you're going to talk about. You know, people waste so much time on their videos where they're doing all this like, oh, you know, I did this this weekend and then no one cares. Get to the point. What is in it for me, the audience? I want to know what am I going to get out of this? So if you think of it in terms of that, then you can sort of streamline what you're saying and get to the point faster and it will hook people because within that 15 seconds, if they're not hooked, they're not staying. Yeah, especially if you look at your metrics, um, you can see that, you know, there's a lot of people watch the first 30 seconds, even two minutes, and then there's this big drop off. And then there's those, there's the fans that want to watch the whole thing. Right. (laughs) And those, that's your base right there. And that's what you got to really concentrate that too. But I think my thoughts lately have been on, on recording my podcast that I'm going to just rip out little two minute segments, um, to post on on the socials and that and keep that I as think the, smart. yeah engaging part and force them to go listen to the podcast instead of worrying too much about having to watch the whole thing sure yeah it's a good idea what about um socials since we're going to bring that up facebook instagram all those sure. great things um i've been doing a lot of research on 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 them and doing a, a bunch of testing on who sees your product and your videos yes. and who doesn't and it's a real mess. Yeah, it changes every five minutes. Yeah, and the process of doing it and posting changes all the time. And all of a sudden, you could you could add this in your post. Now you can't. And um, right. What about engagement for people who are doing videos, say, or performing um, on Facebook and Instagram? Um, What's the best place, do you think, in the socials for people to get their stuff across? Because we all know that you're limited to who actually see. You may have 50,000 followers, but how many people are actually seeing your content, right? Um, You have any thoughts on that? Well, where's your audience? You know, that's where you should really make sure that you're posting and all of the social media platforms, you know, they, they do, they like video, but they like native video. So it has to be uploaded natively into their platform. So you're going to upload your video into Facebook. You're going to upload it into LinkedIn. You're going to upload it, you know, um, directly into Instagram. And then that way, you know, algorithm apparently likes that this week. So that's good. So you want to do that, but also, you know, make sure that you're spending time 
where your audience is, where people are, are going to want to engage with you and uploading those videos. Like for instance, you know, LinkedIn uh, can only take 10 minutes of video. That's it. That's the max. So you want to be mindful of that. Okay. You know what? I'm going to make sure it's a shorter video. I'm going to make sure that I don't hit that 10 minute mark. I'm going to hit the five minute mark or the three minute mark and have these be, you know, tips or just, you know, the, the, the thing about content, uh, and I learned this early on when I, when I went from working from TV to the web and I worked for the web for, you know, over a decade. Uh, and it was sort of new at the time, you know, we, we would book guests, uh, for, for a web show. They'd be like, Oh, this isn't going to be on TV. And I'd be like, this is better. Everybody can see it whenever they want to see it. They don't have to just watch the five o'clock news. It's accessible forever. And at first people didn't really get that, you know, now yeah. it's like, oh, isn't this also going to be on the web if you're on TV? So, you know, but one of the things we learned early on was that you have to be very specific with your content. So pick one thing, one thing that you're doing, one thing that you're talking about and just focus on that one thing. You can be much more clear and succinct with that rather than here's 10 things that I know about this topic, or here's all the things you have to know, or unless you're doing a tutorial, because that's different. If you're yeah. showing somebody how to set up equipment or how to, you know, then you need some time and people expect to watch that and pause it and go along with you and, and you know, do their own thing. But for the most part, think very narrow, narrowly, like what is the most focused you can be on that topic Maybe it's going to be a series of five videos that you're doing on something similar, but each one is its own standalone, uh, you know, and, and then that way it, it gives something for people to come back to, especially with social media. Um, but yeah, video for me, I always think of it as my first way to produce content. Yeah. So, you know, I do a, a live show on Thursdays and um, called Inside Scoop and I interview people. I have that transcribed afterwards, you know, and then that becomes a blog post that becomes an email that becomes tweets and things that we put out into the world. And it took me just that half hour of, you know, in, in the chair sitting there interviewing the person. I didn't have to start with the blog post and then say, okay, but I'm going to do a, a podcast on this. Like the audio, the video gives me everything. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, how do you transcribe? What's, what's your process for doing that? I use the service called Rev, okay. it's rev.com, yeah. and it's yeah. pretty great. You know, they also will do the, um, what is it called? Like the closed the, caption, the closed caption. Yes. Yeah. So that you can, uh, you know, upload that. And, and that makes it great for social media too, or for whatever else you're, you're doing. Cause sometimes people don't want to listen to the videos. They just look at it. I mean, that's why all of these cooking videos are so, are so popular because you don't have to hear the narrator. You don't have to hear the person talking. You can literally just see what they're doing. Yeah, because it's amazing when you're scrolling through Facebook, even though I do this all the time at night, you know, before you go to bed, I'm looking for some stuff and you see a video and you sure. and you sit in there, you see yourself reading what the video is about. Yes. And, and then a minute later, you're thinking, why am I reading this? Turn the volume. <laughs> exactly. I could watch this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that in, in a lot of cases with social media that the standard uh, fare is that the audio is actually muted. Um, yes. even though you can set it, so it's always on so many times you go through and Instagram's bad for this. So you, something starts and it's like, Oh, how come I have no volume? And you got to mm -hmm. be turning everything on. And then eventually now everything comes on, but it kind of defaults yeah. to a, a muted, um, no audio thing first. And sure. for people who have audio as content, that's kind of a bummer. So that's where those, it is. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, look, it was good in the world when, when people used to go into an office 
and you'd be scrolling on Facebook and you didn't want everybody knowing, you know, what you were watching, what you're scrolling through. But now, yeah. you know, the world is very different. Uh, but you're right. You know, the, the people would have to turn that option off to be able to make sure that the audio came through every single time. Most people don't know how don't know that's a possibility and wouldn't do it anyway, you know, because you just wouldn't. Yeah, no, agree. Let's chat a bit about uh, your books. Um, sure. And your first book, Listful Thinking. Um, obviously, uh, doing some research on you, and I see that being a producer, you're, you know, like you said, your deadlines, and you've you got to make your lists, and and being organized is super super important, and it makes you get things done. Um, talk about your first book and and how that kind of came about. Yeah, listful thinking was, uh, you know, it, it's list making 101. It's why you should, how you should do it, and, you know, how you can set up your list, even if you are a list maker, how you can set them up better to be more efficient. And it, you know, it really came out of me being a TV producer and thinking a little bit differently than other people and not realizing that not everyone thought in lists and not everyone was using this tool for literally everything in their lives. And it became really clear to me when I, my husband and I were looking for an apartment in New York City. And, you know, I would walk through, I would see the apartment and I walk out and have no idea what I had just seen. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know, was there a closet? What subway was it next to? I was so like excited that there was a wine fridge that I just did not have any focus. So I started to treat that process like I would a shoot if I was going out in the field as a producer. I would have a list of questions that I'd need to ask. I'd have a list of shots that I'd need to get before I went back to the office. And it's not that I would, you know, necessarily forget or not know that I needed to do those things, but distractions happen. Things yeah. pop up. Your focus is shifted. So to have that sort of roadmap to go back to is so helpful. So I started to do that. And then I, I created a blog called listproducer.com and just writing about productivity and writing about, you know, different tips and things. And that became the book that became listful, listful thinking. And, uh, you know, it's been translated into like, I don't know, 13 or 14 different languages. And I get emails all the time from people all over the world who are, you know, just, just so excited to be able to use lists in a different way. A lot of students too, for, for school. Um, that they're they're using them in, in, you know, really being efficient and really excited about it. It's funny because since uh, we booked uh, you having you on on the podcast as a guest, I started thinking about more about lists and and the fact that I don't do any. And oh uh, wow, well I shouldn't say any, some, um, uh -huh. but it's very limited. And then I started testing myself where I would make a list at night or something. And the next day you kind of go through and you start knocking things off. And I found my day was way more productive. I got more precisely things done um, where I'd always have a busy day and I always get stuff done. But then it'll always be three days late. Oh, yeah, I got to go back and do this. Oh, yeah, I got to do this. And oh, yeah, what about this? And yep. and it's a simple thing to think about, um, but it really helps your day. I mean, it. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's an intention setter. Yeah. And that's the thing that I love. And that's why I make my list the night before I leave my desk every night. And I did this when I was a producer working in TV. Now that I'm a business owner working for myself, I do it, you know, as the last thing I do every single night. I think about what do I have the time and the resources to do tomorrow so that when I come in, I look at the list and I'm like, OK, this is my intention for the day versus doing all the things that come into your inbox that everybody else wants you to do. You know what I mean? So because, you know, you might do those or you might have to do those, but you want to be able to be very clear about what is it that you 
really needed to do or what did you want to do? It's very different than just like fielding everything that comes your way. Yeah, and I think it's a process of everything that you do, making a list. Um, I'm big on making sure my emails are organized uh, really, really well. Tons mm -hmm. of folders all broken down into shows and different, you know, here's all my insurance information or here's all sure, my this. Smart. And it's bam, bam, bam. I try to keep a zero count on my emails all the time. Um, yeah. And <laughs> my brother was over the other day and that's helping. He had trouble with his email. And so I looked up and I said, he had 10,000 unread emails. Oh, no. 10,000. And I'm, most people do. Yeah. I'm thinking, how can you, how can you have that number sitting there um, and not drive you absolutely crazy? Because that would totally. drive me nuts. I know. But, I know. But, I, I've, I've had a love hate with email too. You know, I, and, and, and I've, I like to keep it pretty, you know, pretty low number. I like to get to inbox zero at the end of the day. Um, there's something called the stack method, which I've just started using. It's stackmethod.com. And it was developed by, um, you know, productivity expert and that I've interviewed in the past. And it's a really smart system. You know, everybody has their own little system, their own way of doing things. And for me, that one really works because I've tried it time and time again. And sometimes it's just like, you know what I'm, I, and I've done this before, literally deleting everything in the inbox. Like going through and saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to give myself 10 minutes to pull out the things that I really actually think that I need or I have to reply to. And then after that, I'm deleting everything else or I'm just archiving it all. So I don't have to look at it so that when you get new emails, you look at it with a new eye versus just like, oh, it's more clutter. It's why am I still on this newsletter list? I literally never read it ever. I need to unsubscribe from this. You know, it, it yeah. gives you a little bit more perspective. Yeah, I, I have a habit of, clearing out my emails and then once a month I'll go back to the beginning of the month and go through and then get rid of stuff that I had kept that I really don't need. Um, yes. And, you know, just kind of make sure everything's was put in the folder that needed to be and, and, uh, and go through. And if I find if you don't, you can just get so far behind and you have to search for everything. Who is that person you got to search and find where was that email? And, um, sure. Yeah, it's you're behind. You're behind behind on it all. Yeah, I, I think about it as, you know, do I have to reply to this? Do I have to do something or is it something I can send to someone else to do, you know, to my assistant or somebody else who's I'm not the one to do it. You know what I mean? Whatever yeah. it is, somebody else can handle it and I can just get it out of my inbox and get it where it needs to go. It's funny as far as email goes, I still don't think there's the best email uh, program out there yet. Um, yeah. I keep searching. I tried, uh, it was a hey.com. That was a kind of new trendy one. Mm -hmm. I, I tried it for a little bit and it's like, oh, they have a neat way of storing things. No, nah, it didn't work. Um, I guess everyone has a different workflow, but it, it's sort of like, how come this is a simple process? It's just emails coming in. How come there isn't something that's just perfect? <laughs> it's so true. It, and it, I guess it's personal, right? Yeah. We have to sort of find your own way. Not everybody's system really works exactly right for everyone. You know, even even the stack method, which I which I mentioned, I do it even a little differently than they teach. But it's okay because it works for me and yeah. I'm going with it. You know what I mean? So, you know, sometimes we need to kind of tailor it to ourselves. It's the same thing with to-do list apps. Everyone is always asking, you know, which to-do list app do you love? And it's like, I don't, I mean, I, I use some, but there's not one that for me is like, oh my gosh, this is the best one ever. And they, a lot of times these apps and things, they try to do too, too much. Yeah. Just needs to be simple, mm -hmm. you know? And, and for me, I look at, at apps 
like drawers. And I use different apps for different things. So I know exactly what I'm going to find in that drawer. Because the worst thing is putting way too much stuff and then I can't find anything. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking for in there. Yeah. Yeah, let alone if that app disappears or you lose, you know, have everything in one spot and it's gone. Yeah. That's, that's the scary. big one. <laughs> well, yeah, I've had that happen in the past. You just, you know, you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Like you said, uh, there are a lot of to-do apps, uh, all those things. I find an easy way, an easy trick I always tell some people. I said, if you have an iPhone, you got Siri. If there's something you need to do um, to remind yourself or do the next day, you just say, pick up the phone, remind me at 6 a.m. to do this. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. And you don't have to get into an app. You don't have to type it. You don't have to do all those things. Um, and bam, the next day it just pops up, hopefully, and uh, tells you, you know, what you need to do at that time. It works really of good. Course, of course you gravitate towards the audio. I yeah. love that. Because yeah. it's how you think anyway, you know, like you're already thinking in that way. That's perfect for you. You know, other people might be at their desk all the time and say, oh, you know what? It's easier for me to just type it in. But for you, you're always thinking audio. And that's yeah. a great tool. I mean, I do that a lot now, too, with with audio messages and video messages to people because, I, yeah, I can write emails. But sometimes I feel like, oh, it's going to take me forever. And it doesn't take forever. It takes literally two minutes. But for me, it's like, oh, you know what? I'd rather dictate it. Or I'd rather do an audio message so they can hear my tone yeah. and so that they know that I'm not upset about something. It's just that, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm just explaining it. Or, you know, you, you don't want that to get lost in translation, which it often can if it's text only. I had a, a great client. Um, I, I own a theater here with my family and, and I book all the entertainment there. And I reached out to this show in Las Vegas and I got a reply back, but it came back as a, a video link. And huh. I'm thinking, well, what the heck is that? So I, I popped on and it was the guy from the show. And he's like, hey, it's, you know, such and such. Great to meet you. I just wanted to say hello and thank you for the email. And we're really interested in coming. And I just sat there and I was like, wow, so this great. is fabulous. <laughs> How come more people don't it. do this? And it was just, yeah, it was now I felt like I, I knew him and he engaged me better than anyone else ever did before. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, there's a, a tool called Vidyard that I use, vidyard.com. And it's actually a Canadian-based company. Oh, cool. And they, uh, you know, you can create videos on their website or using an app. And then you're, you're able to send a link. So the link, it's, you don't have to upload your video somewhere and then have somebody download. Like, what a pain. It yeah. just lives on their website. You can click on the link. And I use it all the time with clients, too. If they send me videos that they want me to review or they have scripts they want me to look at or whatever it is, I will often do a video for them so that they can see me explaining it so that I would, you know, I'm able to say, okay, so here's how I would say this part, you know, like yeah. maybe this would be more impactful if you said it like this. And so I can show them and, and it's, you know, it's great for new clients too, because they get to see you, they get to know you um, and not a lot of people are doing it. So it really helps you to stand out. Yeah, that's a great idea. Vidyard, is it called? Vidyard, yeah. yeah. I have to check that out. That's a good idea. Yeah, because you don't want to always be uploading uh, No, videos. and nobody wants to download it. You know, nobody is like, oh, I have to download this thing. Is it a virus? Is this a real person? I don't know who this is. You know, you want to make it easy. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Listful Thinking was a great book for you. Um, did really, really well. And then you decided to come up with your second book, uh, yeah. Listful Living. Um, so, tell... Tell us a little bit difference between those two books. 
Yeah, so Listful, Listful Living came um, about a year ago, not even, well, yeah, about a year ago. And uh, it is a journal, so it's meant to be written in. And it takes you on a journey. It's a list-making journey to a less stressed you. And it really explores where you are right now with your productivity and your stress levels, where you'd like to be. So like what is, you know, the big blue sky, most amazing, life would be great if it was like this. And then how do you actually get there? Since I'm very practical, I want people to be able to, you know, go beyond the dream and actually have some some things to walk away with to change their their lives. And yep. I wrote the book because a year after Listful Thinking came out, uh, you know, I was doing everything. I went anything anyone asked me to do to promote that book. I was on every podcast. I did every speaking engagement. And I was working full time as a producer. So I was, you know, doing both at the same time. And about a year later, my appendix burst. Oh, gosh. Yes. And there is nothing that tells you to slow down like an organ exploding in your body. <laughs> and it does not happen to a lot of people because most people slow down, recognize the fact that they're, you know, in excruciating pain and they go to the ER. But for me, I had I was like, I don't have time for that. There, I have too many other things that I'm doing. I'm just going to go to the ER and they're going to tell me it's food poisoning. So I'm going to just like I had diagnosed myself, which was a terrible idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even when they told me they were like wheeling me into surgery, I was like, you sure it's not food poisoning? And they're like, no, we, we got it. Like, we got you. We know, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was in the hospital for eight days. I was out of work for six weeks. It took me over a year to recover. Wow. It's a serious thing. It's like a dirty bomb going off in your body. Yeah. And it really made me reprioritize everything in my life. And everything came off my to-do list. Everything came off. And guess what? Things still got done and the world still spun. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff was me and my ego that I had to be the one to do it, or I had to be the one to go, or I had to say yes to all these things. So when I reset my priorities into literally, you know, how can I basically rehabilitate myself and be healthier? And so when health was the only focus, it made me really intentional on what I allowed back onto my to-do list. So that lesson is very much what I walk people through in Listful Living, is to be able to be sort of, you know, have the blinders on to know what's your priority right now. And it changes. Yeah. It, you know, it could be something, it could be a project you're working on, it could be, you know, a goal you're setting or whatever it is, it could change. But then that changes every other decision that you make what you say yes to, what you allow onto your to-do list, you know, how you set up your business, all of that. And it's been really impactful for me. It's something I have to continue to remind myself of, you know, um, and I don't want people to go through, a, you know, a health, ha a health scare like I did to be able to get it. Yeah. But I do think that now we've all gone through this experience of the pandemic and, you know, being home and rethinking all the things that we used to be able to do. So it's actually a really great time to be thinking about, okay, what will I allow back into my life? I don't need to go and be at the same level that I was before. Yeah. So be intentional about what you allow back in. Yeah. It's something I've been going through a lot, just even the last week where, you know, I'm in a situation where everything that I, I am really great at is not happening. Um, mm -hmm. I can't go out and tour. I can't produce shows out in the road. I can't, we can't do shows in our theater, all those things that you're really great and you keep really busy at, and then they're all gone, but then you have to try to figure out a way to make that still work. Um, so there's this whole thing where lately I just been 
trying to fire in all cylinders and do a million different things. And a couple nights ago, I just kind of sat and, and said, you have to really put this down on paper and mm -hmm. put some numbers behind everything and decide what really is a good thing to do um, and what isn't. Because if yeah. you're doing 20 things, 19 of them are suffering. Um, For sure. And maybe one is getting through. So are you better off to find that one or two things that is the thing and spend all that time on it instead of trying to do way too much um, at the same time? Yeah, and it just makes it super clear on what what you'll allow on the list, you know, what you'll say yes to. If people are inviting you to go do this thing or this other project, or, you know it's a no yeah. because it doesn't get you closer to that thing that you're working on. You have it in your mind set. So, you know, you know, maybe it's not a, a you know, a yes right now. Maybe eventually you'll want to do that. But you have to stick to your guns. And it really, you know, in the book, there's also some exercises on how to say no and how to set boundaries and how to be able to, you know, feel good about it and not feel like, oh, I'm letting everyone down because now, you know, I'm doing this other thing because, you know, we want to help people. We want to we want to say yes. But then you're saying no to yourself. Yeah. So think about like, what would you be doing with that time? If you were to go do whatever thing someone else is asking you to do, you could be using that time for something for you. And it doesn't have to be only to get you to that goal. But maybe let's say, you know, health or sleep is your priority right now. You're not getting enough sleep. So if you're getting invited to things that are after, you know, 9 p.m., this is hard for people in the, in the music industry, but... <laughs> You know, maybe you're like, you know what? Like, I can't do it this month. I'm just going to say no to all these things. It's just already in my brain. I know I have to say no because I need to sleep. I'm not getting enough rest. Um, you know, and, and that way you already have the answer and it makes it much less stressful. Or even, you know, how many, how many uh, events can you do in a day? I mean, this happened to me with video calls. When I first started my business, I would open my schedule up from 9am to 6pm and let whoever wanted to pick a time slot, just pick a time slot to talk to me. I was exhausted. I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, engaging on video is much different than just doing a phone call. Yeah. So now I know that I can probably do three, four max in a day for me to be my best because otherwise I am drained, I'm tired. So I stick to three. I have literally three time slots in my schedule every day for calls. Yeah. And then I give myself a lunch break. I make sure that I give myself time in between to reset or do other work because otherwise you're just going, going, going and it, it's too much. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I find myself, you finish a podcast and you run out, you got to do something. You can go answer some emails and you run out to do this and then you come back. Oh, I got to finish that. And, and yeah. you got to stay focused more on, on, on the main goal and the main thing. For sure. And even day, different days of the week. Like I do different things on different days of the week. I, I keep Fridays for writing and for creativity. Yeah. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, I keep that for clients or for podcasts or for things that I'm doing. And then, you know, Mondays I usually keep for for catching up and, and work, like actually doing things, <laughs> you know, on that day. And it changes, you know, if, if there's somebody who's like, hey, I, I can only do it on this day or that day, you know, you, you work around it. But for, to have that clarity in your mind is really helpful because then it keeps you on track. Yeah, that's that's super important. Um, I want to talk a little bit about growing an audience um, hmm. and your thoughts on that. It's it's an interesting topic, obviously. I think it's it's easy to get fooled from YouTube stars and, and people who have millions and millions of followers. Sure. Um, 
but I'm I'm kind of a numbers person. I like to look at stats and and it's interesting. I've did some podcasting stats and 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 found out some real numbers of actual common numbers of of you know people who are at the top at their game. You think they're getting five, six, seven million um, listens per podcast or whatever, but right. the, the average is way way down from from there. Um, so it's interesting on perception of where you think you should be and what the average actually is. Um, and just wanted to see your thoughts on um, growing an audience. And, you know, you're, I know you're big on, on emails um, and something that I've, you know, fallen short of. And it's, you know, <laughs> listening to you over the last little while, I think, yeah, I got to step up my email game. And because uh, you think it's not important because it's well, it's emails. No, who does that? But it's really important. It's your only real true contact to somebody. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just want to give you some, some time to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, consistency is the most important part of this in any content creation, building any kind of audience for them to know that you're going to be in their inbox, you know, every Monday, or you're going to be doing a show every Thursday at two o'clock or, or, you know, I mean, Oprah's Oprah Winfrey show has not been on the air for years yet. Ask anybody what time of day, you know, in New York, what time of day Oprah was on. Everyone knows four o'clock. It was on at four o'clock yeah. and I just heard someone say it the other day. And I was like, of course we all know that because at four o'clock we would all watch Oprah. I remember I used to watch it in the newsroom too, which was really funny, but um, <laughs> it, it, it was that thing that you knew every day at four, Oprah's going to have somebody on or going to be giving away gifts or whatever it is. And you want that consistency. You want people to, you know, expect that they're going to hear from you and they're not only hearing from you when you have something to sell. That's the important part, because I see this often too, too often, especially with video, that people only do video when they want to sell stuff. And look, yeah, video can help you sell, but it also can turn people off if that's the only time they hear from you. You want to be giving value all the time. You know, 90% of the stuff that you're giving, just give it away for free. And then, you know, the 10% that then you're like, hey, you know what? I've been giving you some free stuff for quite a long time. And now I have a book to sell or now I have a concert or now I have this. People are happy to to follow you because they know, hey, this person has given me so much. So that's how I look at content, um, you know, to, to be able to, yes, get inside people's inboxes. It's one of the most important important lessons that I learned very, very early on when I first started my blog years ago, this woman in publishing told me uh, a friend of mine, she said, make sure you get people's email addresses. Whenever you speak to a group, whenever you do anything. And I said, but what am I going to do with it? And she was like, don't worry about it right now. Just get the email addresses. And I was so glad that she told me that because she was right. You know, it's really the only way to bring people back to you because there's so many distractions. They're on social media. They saw you for half a second. They're like, who was that now? And then you can't even get back to it. You can't even find it. Yeah, it, it's super important. And as we mentioned earlier, you could you could post something on Facebook or Instagram and you think it's getting to everybody. Um, but True. it's not. But right. w- with emails, you're you're pretty sure it's getting to most most of everybody on that list. Yeah, um, and they've opted in to yeah. receive that from you. So, you know, for the most part, they're, they're into it. They're, they want that content. They've chosen it. And I think important too, obviously you offer this as well, being able to be able to offer some form of education to people is very important that they feel like they're getting something from you, that they're learning something from you. It's not always something that you're selling all the time, as you mentioned, 
that there's some education and something you feel like you're giving back. And I think for people who, especially in the music industry or maybe doing the live shows or whatever, they're stuck to know what to do. Being able to give someone a lesson online or talk about how you play the guitar or why you chose mm-hmm. a song or, and instead of always, you know, here's another song, let's yeah. talk about something about that song or, or give them something to, you know, every once in a while and they'll nugget back. I think those are great things for, for people yeah. to, to get. And behind on. the scenes, people mm-hmm. love behind the scenes to be able to see into your world and how you, what your creative process is and how do you, you know, people love this for authors too. They're always asking, you know, how do you, what's your process for writing books? How do you, you know, how do you create content? And I, you know, I always tell clients who are, who are, stuck and thinking, I don't know what to do videos on. I don't know what to write a, you know, blog post on or write an email about. I always say, what are the things that you are most, the questions you're answering the most? What are the questions that people are always asking you that you find yourself, you know, saying again and again and again, that's your content. Pick one of those questions and write something about it or do a video about it or, you know, whatever. And that will get you, you know, started down the path of creating the content. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great advice. Um, what about, uh, we'll wrap up here in a, a few minutes. Um, what about someone wanted to contact you to get uh, some training or some, you helping them uh, consulting wise? Uh, maybe people in my neck of the woods who are musicians and singers and, and content creators and those type of things. What can they expect from, from contacting you and what can you think that you'd be able to offer them? Sure. Yeah. Well, really seeing where are you right now? So are you producing videos or what, what are you putting out into the world now? And then what would you like to put out into the world? And then how can we get you to that? And a lot of times, you know, what's the disconnect there? Why are you not putting more out? Why are you not being featured in the media? Why are you not? Or, or if you are, how can we get you to the next level? Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, I have a free download. If you go to paularizzo.com slash checklist, I have a checklist because I can't help myself. I have to make checklists for everything. Yeah. Uh, a checklist to become a go-to media expert. And media here does not mean just traditional media. You know, media means producing your own videos, producing your own podcast, producing anything that you want to put out into the world to be seen as an expert. It's important for you to be creating that content first, be your own producer, and then you'll get the notoriety for it afterwards. You know, a lot of times, like as when I was working in television, I would be pitched people, you know, experts who had like no nothing, you know, it was just like, oh, this, and it's like, well, what else have they written? What else have they talked about? Where's, where's the the evidence (laughs) that they are the expert in this, you know? Um, And a lot of times it comes in the form of a book or, you know, now a podcast or that kind of content. So you want to have that there because, you know, I'm a big proponent of people getting media for themselves, traditional media, as well as podcasts and things like that, because you want to be the one talking about this the most. I became an expert in list making, not because I invented them, but because I talk about them more than anybody else. And now, you know, 10 years later, people still come to me, you know, members of the media, and they're like, oh, yeah, Paula's the list lady. She'll know something about this. It's stuck in their brain. I went in, you know, very, very narrow to talk about lists. I can talk about anything that has to do with, you know, productivity or efficiency, time management, working from home. But people remember me for that. So think about that. Like, what could you be putting out into the world that will be memorable, that people will think of only you for that? Yeah, I think uh, that's great advice. Um, 
I think a lot of people are always after the big interview or the big um, story. And that doesn't always translate if you're no. in a certain field, if you're a computer expert, or you say if you're a musician, you should be really going after those podcasts and those different that are really just 100% about what you do. Um, and it's way easier to get those listeners to kind of really concentrate on what you're doing because that's what they're interested in. Oh, for sure. They've chosen to listen to the podcast. You know, podcasts will uh, are a much better way to convert clients, to convert buyers to, you know, buyers of your book, buyers of your product, but then TV. TV does not sell really anything unless you're, you know, Beyonce and you go on a show and then you're going to sell a zillion books. But if you don't have that kind of back background, TV typically does not sell books because, um, you know, TV is not interested in being your advertisement. Yeah. They want, yeah. they want, they're not as, as giving as a podcaster is to be able to say, Hey, you know, where can people find you? What's your website? What free thing do you have? They don't do that in TV because they have a minute to tell the story and they just want a soundbite from you to say, Hey, this is what I think about that. Okay, great. Moving on. You know, you're lucky if you get your name and maybe your website put on the screen, that's it. Yeah. So to, you know, really think about, you know, where do you want to be seen? The thing about TV though, is that, you know, you get, you, you get some credibility there to say, Hey, I did this TV thing. You can put it on your website and it can help you get more media. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, we'll wrap up on a couple of really quick questions. And this is kind sure. of just usually fun questions I like to ask at the end of the podcast. And, um, one of them is usually, where do you like to perform, which you've never performed at before? <laughs> but uh, that could relate to you to some degree. Do you have a, a, a show that you've always wanted to be on or uh, something I wish I could, you know, uh, as a producer or as a person who does a lot of TV work? Um, yeah. I w really wish I could have worked on this or be on this. Do you have one of those? Yeah, I mean... I, Oprah. Look, I love Oprah. I've, yeah. I've loved her forever. I've always been a huge fan. I think it's part of why I did also get into TV, you know, having watched her show and, and been engaged with her. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to to be interviewed or interview Oprah at some point in my career. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Uh, the last one is always food related or it's become Ooh. food related. Uh, so one of these questions, uh, obviously, you live in New York, a lot of great food in New York. Um, if you had to leave just with your last meal, um, oh. what what would that be? It could wow. be a restaurant, it could be a particular meal or anything. There is so much great food in New York, but the first place that popped into my head is not New York, it's in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, it's called Zahav. It's an amazing Israeli restaurant. And my husband and I would take the train from New York. It's only about an hour and a half train ride. Yeah literally to just go eat at this restaurant because it is so great. It's called Zahav and I miss it so much. We haven't been there obviously in, in quite some time, but oh my gosh, that food is so good. Awesome. What about Miami? Must be some good places there. Some good stuff here. Mm -hmm. Definitely some good stuff. But, you know, I still find myself ordering bagels on Good Belly and uh, that kind of, you know, goodbelly.com. I don't know if you know that website, but they will ship you literally anything from any restaurant, uh, most restaurants uh, all over the, the country. And it's, it's pretty fun because, you know, you get you get excited about your your home stuff. So yeah. I had pastrami mailed in for uh, for Valentine's Day. <laughs> that was our that was our Valentine's Day treat was pastrami from New York. Awesome. Hopefully it didn't take like two weeks to get in. <laughs> no, it was overnight. It was perfect. So what's the website? It's called what? Good. Gold, goldbelly.com. Goldbelly. I got to check that out mm -hmm. too. Probably doesn't ship to Canada, but. Uh. 
Well, maybe. I yeah. don't know. I'll check it out. Well, it's been awesome uh, having you on the podcast. Uh, Thank you. A lot of knowledge there. Uh, what's really the best place to to find your information uh, about yourself and people to contact you if they wanted to? Sure. Yeah. Go to my website, paularizzo.com. And if you go to paularizzo.com slash checklist, you'll be able to download my checklist to become a go-to media expert and, you know, find out more about my books and me and all that. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor. And so I have a bunch of courses about productivity, how to set boundaries and that kind of thing. So, you know, if you go to LinkedIn, look me up, follow me there. And I'm always happy to answer, answer questions. Awesome. Well, hang on a second. We'll say a proper goodbye, but I just want to wrap up the podcast. And uh, thank you again. It was uh, really, really awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks.